millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. The following program is presented by the Nerdy Show Network. Geeky programming for all nerds and otaku across the multiverse. All Nerdy Show podcasts are made possible by the generous support of listeners like you. Discover the many ways you can join in at nerdyshow.com support. This program may contain strong language. Listener discretion is advised. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Wicked Audio Podcast. I am your stupid ska kid, John Starr, and with me is the heavy metal with heavy opinions, AFLM. Hi. <laughs> and our uh, king of J-pop, Evan. Konnichiwa, my bastards and wenches. Yours technically still could be King Baby Duck because it's a music reference. I know it is. It is. <laughs> <laughs> And uh, oh, Derek, what can I say about yours? What 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 nickname can I give you? For this Derek one? is oh baby, Derek is a punk rocker. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so uh, elite anarchy, Derek, because <laughs> he's a punk rocker. Yes, he is. And great boy, boy, country. Boy. <laughs> oh, what? Well, thanks. <laughs> I was gonna go for more of like a rocker, like uh, <laughs> hello, what's going on? Yeah. Oh, <laughs> you like smashing pumpkins, Greg? Uh, I kind of did, but now it's kind of outdated. I'm what? too outdated? old. Now. Yeah, Good like, music is never outdated. Does Gen no, Z it's... really know about like smashing pumpkins now? You know what? If you asked any yes, Gen Zer if they knew who Smashing Pumpkin was, I, I I'd probably probably zero. The nineties alt nineties <laughs> alt rock kind of stayed in nineties alt rock, and then. Yeah, Nobody before they were born. Afterwards, like, <laughs> and you will never Katie hear Perry. Smashing, you will never hear Smashing Pumpkins the same way again if you picture Cartman singing every single song because it's just similar enough and it sounds too natural for Cartman. <laughs> I would personally love to see that. You can never ever leave. And our our audience just wondered why their eardrums exploded. <laughs> <laughs> I hope they remember Cartman singing "Come Sail Away" by Sticks. <laughs> so today we're uh, we're talking about a whole mess of of music stuff because we want to, <laughs> and we have <laughs> we've just decided we discussed with each other online before this this uh, recording started was what the topics we were going to talk about and just uh, going through a library of questions that we're going to ask each other and we're just going to have a good old time talking about music today. Yeah. And if you hear if you hear a bunch of mouse clicks going on, that's me because it, we're recording this during my work hours, and I am working. <laughs> working. We had to create a list. We had to create a list of questions, though, because every single one of us are such big audiophiles that if we weren't wrangled in this conversation, we would just we would just go on for days. 
I mean, Evan has a freaking music podcast and, and me yeah. and Evan talk about music all the time on his podcast. So yeah. yeah. And I literally just sent him the, uh, the new album by uh, Japanese doom metal band, Boris, who just unleashed the new album. No exclusive on Bandcamp. Check it out. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah. Sounds good. Yes. <clears throat> all right. So what do we want to start today? What, 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 what question do we want to start with? I like to- well, we well, I know I have the article here from Rolling Stone where they ranked the 50 greatest bassists of all time. I, I actually really liked that question as a starting one because uh, mm-hmm. we have we have a ton of bassists here on the a on ton the being two <laughs> being two out of five. That's pretty good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Derek and Andrew are both bassists, and so we need a we need to talk about the foundation of the band, <laughs> which which is where my inspiration comes from. My favorite bassist is murder face from uh from metalocalypse well the guy who does the bass uh, bass stuff in metalocalypse <laughs> no, it, it, it no murder, murder face, face. <laughs> it is william murder face murder face murder murder face <laughs> <laughs> we might as well throw a murdoch from gorillas in too no you stole that from me <laughs> <laughs> the only bases that are the best bases in the world are cartoon characters you can say the same about flea uh- Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Stole another one, Derek. <laughs> Flea is a live-action cartoon character, <laughs> and he also played a live uh, a cartoon character as well. He was uh, uh, what's it, Donnie on the uh, well? Yeah. <laughs> well, voice acting. All he did was go. That's pretty much what he does. <laughs> and he was the best character on the show. <laughs> Though, uh, hilariously, he was just imitating Anthony Kiedis while he was just, <laughs> while he was playing Donnie. A rippy-tippy-doo, a rippy-tippy-dee, a rippy-tippy-doo, California he. Oh, boy. Oh, California. Good. You, you made sure to include that word in there. <laughs> yeah, that's making <laughs> a true Red Hot Chili Peppers <laughs> tribute. Who was, it, who was it that posted? Was it like Onion Music that said that Red Hot Chili Peppers accidentally records whole album about New Hampshire? <laughs> i actually had uh so back in the day when andrew and i were growing up we used to um do uh we did, did a lot of video stuff which is where our um you know our youtube channel stuff started at the beginning and uh there was a time where uh we were writing a bunch of sketch comedies and uh there there one of the sketches that we never made, but I was writing was uh, we, I was in chemistry class in high school and down in one of those, you know, how like at the bottom section of, of the uh, elemental chart, there's a bunch of made up elements that people have like crafted. One of them is California. And so I was trying to write a sketch about, uh, the Red Hot Chili Peppers writing the song California and it never came to light. But uh, the only thing that I could think of was, uh, you know, uh, the the cast and crew, um, you know, in in uh, in uh, science jackets like the the lab coats, the white lab coats, and speedos, with the Red Hot Chili Peppers logo like right here, <laughs> yeah. that little cross thingy that they have. Asterisk. <laughs> the asterisk. White lab coats and speedos? What? <laughs> Have you not seen the Red Hot Chili Peppers on stage? They, no. Honestly, I was going to go more towards sock as a yeah. Person. Yes, I was going to see that yeah. cock socks. That's the like yeah. That's the like the only thing that comes to mind whenever I think of them. And like, 
what's his name up front there is never on stage with a shirt. Does he ever wear a shirt? I don't know. Anthony. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, he's getting a little uh, Iggy Popish lately. So. <laughs> <laughs> Which isn't a bad thing. I mean, Iggy Pop, he does his own thing. So, yeah, he's preserved like a mummy. <laughs> <laughs> he's got a bunch what of. What do you use uh, a heroin? We'll do that to you. <laughs> he's got a bunch of binder clips running down his spine to keep his his skin tight. <laughs> oh. <laughs> nasty, nasty. <laughs> So, uh, basis. What other basis do we have on deck? I got, I got one that I could talk about, but Ooh. we still all Derek's answers. <laughs> I'm so with me being the Japanese music guy, like the one that really stands out for me, and I'm, I'm feel grateful that I actually consider her a friend of mine is Yayoi Tsushima. And when you see her on stage perform, like she's got this amazing groove, and on top of that, the way she moves, like she will do like like full-fledged like high like what do you call them the rockets kicks while she's performing and it's unbelievable doesn't uh the bass player for um uh mindless self-indulgence also do stuff like that too i'm not sure i don't really listen to them <laughs> i don't either i've seen their stuff but i've seen her do some oh, yeah pretty- they're they're nothing but animated on stage like it's there's it's, a reason it, why Joan and Vasquez did like some of their music videos. It's because they're basically jo- live action Joan and Vasquez <laughs> musicians. <laughs> they killed the rock, killed the rock, and then they killed my brain, 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 brain. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so one of the, like if I had to think of a classical uh, bass player that I really liked, I, I remember back in the day when I was taking music lessons at an actual music school, I was taught a lot about uh, Jaco Pastores um, mm-hmm. and, and watching concert videos of his stuff. And it's the only time I think I've ever really seen a bass player like up front and, and center for as, as like a performer, unless, um, you know, they've, they've been, a uh, a lead singer like like uh, the the lead singer of Skillet is also the bass player um, of the band so things like that but yeah mm-hmm. I we're kind of in the same oh, sorry go ahead. we're kind of in the same vein as someone like Paul McCartney now I know that Paul McCartney and the Beatles were their own collective everybody had their chance to do vocals in there but when Paul McCartney moved on to do his own solo stuff he was still predominantly playing the bass on stage and the way that he plays it's such a nice both poppy but classical feel to it yeah in the in the realm of animated bass players i like uh habath from the beelzebubs not the beelzebubs Beelzebubs. (laughs) oh yeah yeah i forgot about them he's also a vocalist and a bass player if i want to go technical wise i gotta go victor wooten because learning how to play slap is Basically, watching him play just makes my like jaw drop, knowing like what it takes to do all that. Mm-hmm. Oh yes, though. Hey. Part of me wants to say Didi Ramon. I don't. I mean, I know the Ramones are just there, but <laughs> um, what do you mean? Have you guys have you guys heard of the YouTuber Davy Five Hundred Four? No. So Davy Five Hundred Four is like one of the most popular bass playing YouTubers ever. And like, he makes hilarious videos, uh, mostly about like 
I, I made a, an impossible bass rift and, and asked people on Fiverr to make it. And then like he reviews all the Fiverr videos or all the Fiverr like bass lines that people created. And he basically makes these really creative, like let me make something and then have other people do it. And then let me show you how I did it. And then, and, and, and he's funny on top of that, but he has a really weird accent and he's really deadpan. So it's kind of interesting. And he steals a lot of PewDiePie's editing techniques, which is really interesting. Um, <laughs> that actually sounds pretty good. Him. He is. He's, he's fun. Uh, Davey 504. Cool. I, I definitely want to check that out. It's, it sounds fun. Um, I mean, if you want to talk about bassists that were both like front men as well as playing the bass, I mean, you can't have a conversation like that without talking about Lemmy from Motorhead. Oh, yeah, of course. I mean, like, he was, he was like the epitome of badassery and every single story and urban legend of rock and roll rolled into one person. And yeah, it, it showed in his way he's performed. Yeah. Scott Pilgrim. <laughs> <laughs> but did he really play the bass? Yes. Uh, does, <laughs> I was about to trash myself. Does anyone really play the bass in a style of music? <laughs> I think, it, what was it? It was Kids in the Hall that did a bit about like the bass player and how he's never invited to parties and he's never gets the girls or anything like that. I don't know if they've act- they actually invented that because that's just the butt of every band. Like the joke of every band is the bass player. I mean, they they even did it in, in Metalocalypse. You know, it's like, ah, you broke my hand. Oh no, there goes the band. <laughs> I, I think the only musician who was a bassist that was the butt of the joke but never a bassist was Ringo Starr. <laughs> <laughs> well, everyone's uh, like shut up Ringo well there's there's plenty the of drummer they were there's like, plenty, of, plenty of drummers jokes too yeah so. the interview they had where they uh, asked like someone in the band like oh you know talk about Ringo's drummer you know how good is he and they're like yeah he's not even the best drummer in the band no I remember <laughs> that one the question the question was is Ringo Starr the greatest drummer in the world he's not even the greatest drummer in the Beatles <laughs> <laughs> I resent that comment <laughs> Well, my favorite drummer joke. Great. My favorite drummer joke is how many drummers does it take to screw in a light bulb? Ten. One to do it, and nine to go. I can do that. <laughs> no. Uh, oh. um, what do you what do you call what do you call the guy who carries all the stuff for the band? The equipment manager. The drummer. <laughs> the drummer. The um. Uh, the uh, documentary of Gimme Danger, which was about Iggy Pop and the Stooges, before Iggy became a frontman, he was the drummer in a band called the Iguanas, and the only reason why he stopped drumming is that he was tired of seeing his bandmates' butts. <laughs> <laughs> That's yeah. awesome. Yeah. Yeah, Neil hang out in the back around and, that one, just getting lifted up and rotated everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> well, see, that's that's the the funny thing is like it, most bands that are that are big and can do stage productions like that try to give their drummer something to do. Like I even think of a band that is so like that has such an awesome show going on, like Ramstein, and their drummer mm-hmm. does nothing but drum. You know. Yeah. <laughs> Well, no, he'll sometimes do, he'll sometimes take out pyrotechnics himself, like during Fire Fry. Like he takes out like the two that, that shoots him out this way. 
Really? Um, I, I, oh yeah, yeah, I don't even remember. <laughs> it's just and like their stage is so big. He just sits all the way in the back. And it's like, was they you know who who I really love who sets up their drum who sets up their drummer in a very unique way is Jack White. Like when Jack White performs live, his drummer isn't in the back. It's literally to like his right side, practically right next to him. Hmm. And for some reason, like when they perform together like that the acoustics together just sounds so much better. Well, unless it's Meg. And, uh, and you have, uh, you have the drummer, uh, Hannes Van Dahl, who's the drummer for Sabaton. Mm -hmm. Uh, they, he, he's, I mean, he's one, he's propped up on top of the tank when they play, but, uh, but he's also the first member to come out on stage. Yeah. So like, he's, he's always the first one to enter to like enter with the drum roll. And then everybody else comes out on stage, and then Joachim comes out on stage. Yeah, that's true. You know, sp speaking of which, with him being on the on the drum and being on the tank like that, I'm surprised they haven't made like this setup where like every time he uses like his, the bass pedals, like looks like the <laughs> it looks like the tank is firing. Oh yeah, because we want to give the audience a seizure. <laughs> 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 Gotta love that double. Bass. You know, it's just like, hey, let's open up with Lion from the North, and then everybody just seizes out. <laughs> <laughs> that looks like an awesome mosh pit. That's not a mosh pit. <laughs> <laughs> That's a medical hazard. It's just a hardcore show. <laughs> it's a Twitch pit. <laughs> 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 Audio listeners can't see Derek doing the the twitch pit. Yeah. <laughs> it's getting a little foamy down there. <laughs> uh, all right, all these for on? our uh, epileptics. <laughs> do we want to move on to? Do, do we actually want to read some of the list of the best thing, or do we want to move on to another question? Because we have a lot. We have a lot of questions. I was move on to the questions. I think we touched on the basis that basis. matter. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Um, I, I do want to at least know who was number one on that list of 50 greatest drummers, uh, ba bassists of all time. Uh, let's see. Let me pull that up. I remember him being a classical one. Um, give me <laughs> just a moment. Yo, 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 yo. <laughs> number one, James Jamerson. Huh. That's, That's not a real big. name. <laughs> yeah, he, he was a Motown. He was a Motown uh, bassist. He was the one who made like all like the... Um, the bass lines for The Temptations, My Girl, Gladys Nice's I Heard It Through the Grapevine, Marvin Gaye's What's Going On. Huh. Hmm. Okay. appreciate some funk. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Very cool. Very cool. Good start to the podcast. I hope our listeners that are like, music, what? what? They, haven't, they haven't fallen asleep yet. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Stick with us. Bass we'll... is the foundation of the band. <laughs> So what do we want to talk about? What do we want to talk about next? We have we have this a huge pool of questions that we all that we all asked each other in our in our private chat. Before. Did you write them all down? No, they're just in the chat, so I have to scroll all the way back. <laughs> well, I mean, the formula that we have been doing is basically, you know, the most influential something, and then we end the show with least or worst of something. That's true. That's How many true. questions there? So I don't I don't know if um ah. I don't know if we do most influential band for us 
personally because because yeah. i've i've like most influential and favorite band kind of goes hand in hand with me do they because okay. i don't i don't think they do for me mm-hmm. hmm. yeah um well i'll start then because i can answer both questions at the same time so uh so my the most influential band for me and the my favorite band of all time uh, a little band that only, I believe only people here have ever heard of. And there's probably like a select few people out there that are like, yeah, that's awesome. Uh, Five Iron Frenzy. Uh, they're mm-hmm. a ska band that started in 19... 19- a what? <laughs> yeah, a what? I know, right? For all of you, again, you Gen Zers out there who didn't live in the 90s, there's this dead genre called ska music. And nobody, well, it's nobody dead in America. It. Like, in Japan, it's still huge. Oh, I, I love me some Ore Ska Band. You know, yeah, and Tokyo Ska Paradise Orchestra. Yeah. Um, they, Which, by the way, Ore Ska Band actually has a, a really great bass player. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> Tomi, she's, she's adorable. Uh, she is. But uh, Five Iron Frenzy, like, I, if I had to think of what it is that drives me to draw to draw the art that i do in the style that i do is because of five iron frenzy i i feel when i listen to their music i feel the drawings that i make come out of their sound so um that has always been such an influence to me and like my ability to draw has always come from what i feel when i listen to their music um I've actually even uh, my my main comic book that has hasn't been released to anybody yet. I am working on a comic book, but not to the degree that that Andrew is. Um, that comic book that I'm writing slash drawing every once in a while is actually a rock opera of Five Iron Frenzy's music. So um, I have like that little side art project that hasn't yet to see the light of day. <laughs> um, the funny thing is too is I bought the first Five Iron album. Uh, I kind yeah, of, right? I started buying their albums and started listening to them. And Jonathan was just like, this is my favorite band. And it was their breakup album too. Yeah. First <laughs> album two, that we got was their last album. In 2003. Album. Yeah. In 2003, um, Five Iron Frenzy broke up after eight years of being a band. And uh, it was the saddest thing ever. Uh, and then uh, eight or nine years after that, Reese Roper released a self-produced documentary because for whatever reason, Five Iron Frenzy um, decided to document their entire career with each other. Uh, they just had video cameras running all the time. They've recorded all of their concerts, everything like that. So Reese Roper had all of this footage of eight years worth of their band. And he made a documentary called The Rise and Fall of Five Iron Frenzy. It's a three-hour-long documentary about their entire career, and uh, it's amazing. It was inc- it's incredible. I've watched it uh, like countless amounts of times because it's just so good to watch the dynamic of their band go. Um, and then ten years after they had broken up in two thousand three in in twenty thirteen, a mysterious countdown timer was released on their website and it was their fan website that actually created the countdown timer and the countdown timer was actually only to celebrate five iron frenzy day which is uh i believe november 23rd the day that they broke up um the day that ska died as everybody says um and 
what and it was only supposed to be a countdown to that day to celebrate five iron frenzy day but then the band got a hold of that caught wind of it and they were like well we got some time to write stuff i mean do you just want to get back together and then and they were like yeah sure why not and so five iron frenzy 10 years after they broke up it has now reformed as a band they've only released one album but Reese Roper has uh, said on Facebook to everybody that they actually are back in the studio now. We could actually see a new album within the next couple of years. Nice. Yeah. And that album is fantastic, Engine of a Million Plots. Engine like, of a Million Plots is amazing. Like, that was the album that you actually turned me on to Five Iron Frenzy. And that made me want to go back and listen to all their other stuff. Yeah, and it's really cool because you can hear them mature as a band they're they're just oh, like yeah, a bunch without of question. kids like in, 20, in in 1995 their first album is just a bunch of punk kids making some goofy songs and then mm-hmm. engine of a million plots doesn't even sound like the same band anymore yeah it's more like superhero I, I i listen to engine of a million plots and i get a very big superhero vibe from that album like i feel like every song in there should be like some sort of external or internal conflict of like a superman battle yeah 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 it's it's really it's really good um mm-hmm. i i highly rate it for those who haven't had a chance to listen to them really really good and they I have an ep of, too that they released after that one as well i forget the name of it though. oh yeah uh between the pavement and the stars yeah um the only new song that was on it was between the pavement and the stars but that's actually legitimately one of my favorite songs on that album mm-hmm. um and then they have a, a b-side called god hates flags um, on it that I actually bought um, I, I bought a special edition uh, album of theirs that I got that song already with it but for those who didn't bought the EP and also got that song and mm-hmm. then um, uh, what they, they had a piano ballad of uh, one of the, the last song on the album um, but uh, blizzards and bygones it's a piano wow. ballad and the the original song that um, Scott wrote um, Scott Kerr, I believe his name is. Yeah, Scott uh, Kerr. Yeah, the bass player of the band. He actually writes all the music uh, now, and then Reese Roper writes all the lyrics for the song. Um, and then, uh, and then, <clears throat> excuse me, their trombone player Dennis also writes music, and Reese Roper writes music every once in a while, but he writes all the lyrics. Reese Roper writes all the lyrics for for their stuff. Yeah. All right, I've taken up enough airtime over mine. So I like have. That. I have an even indier band than you do, Jonathan. <laughs> than than Five Iron Frenzy that was loved by hundreds. I have yeah. I have a smaller band that was loved by tens. Yeah, and uh, that that influenced me to into into like what I am as a musician today, and and my musical influences and stuff. Uh, and and that's Tubring. Oh my gosh! So so, uh, so Tubring is one of the most influential bands to me because uh, one, they intru- introduced me to avant-garde. Uh, so avant-garde music is some of the weirdest music you will ever listen to. Maybe not as weird as noise. Uh, but, <laughs> noise rock. <laughs> but, uh, but, it, but it's all about, um, you know, tempo changes, genre t- changes, uh, weird lyrics, uh, intelligent lyrics, poetic lyrics, all in one song. Like you'll change genres, tempos, everything in just one song. You'll have weird instruments going on. Uh, it introduced me to bands like Dog Fashion Disco, and uh, who is an amazing avant-garde band. Uh, real, honestly, Faith No More, who uh, with Mike Pat- Mike Patton is the pioneer 
of avant-garde with his sideband, Mr. Bungle. Mm-hmm. Um, then and Phantomas, like, too. Yeah, so like Faith No More, Mr. Bungle, they started the whole avant-garde genre, avant-garde metal uh, thing. But Tubbering in, in particular, uh, I discovered them while playing Amped 3, which is a snowboarding game on the Xbox 360. One of the greatest games of all time, by the way. Yep. It's and like Monty Python mixed with snowboarding games. Yeah, it's it's amazing. <laughs> I, if, if they create, if they get like some sort of PC adaption, PC remaster to it, I will buy that. If Even if it's like $100, I'd be like, how can I not buy Amp 3? Yeah. It's so fun. But that's where I discovered Tubbering because they were on the soundtrack. And that's where I discovered, like, because, you know, there's uh, Kevin Gibson, the lead singer of Tubbering, is like, he does a lot of screaming and a lot of unclean lyrics in his vocals. And that's what got me into like the, huh, I kind of like this more aggressive, like heavier tones of lyrics, which led me to all this, like, I bought all of, I have all of Tubbering's albums, about every single one of them. Uh, and uh, I even I even jumped on their Kickstarter to get their best of vinyl, which they only sent me one. It was a two disc it was a two disc vinyl, and I only got one vinyl in my sleeve, which was the most disappointing thing ever. But <laughs> and I never contacted them to be like, hey, you guys only sent me one vinyl. Um, and then, uh, but it came with one of their uh, their uh, a new album of theirs, so I got the new album as well. Um, and then it led me into a bunch of heavier music, which is how I started listening to metalcore. And then from metalcore, uh, I started listening to, um, what did I listen to next after metalcore? Was it? Well, you got into Grendel, uh, shortly after that. Okay. So I started listening to like heavier electronic music, like agrotech. Um, but, but nowadays, like in my, in my fully grown adult, I listen to a lot more metal than I listen to a lot more electronic music. Uh, so then I guess I would start, I started listening to like death metal and black metal after it. So, so basically we started at avant-garde, avant-garde metal, metalcore, death metal, black metal, uh, then finally led to power metal, basically. Because uh, I want, I just wanted to get more and more extreme. I was like, this music isn't heavy enough. This music isn't more extreme enough. Uh, I want more. And then I need to get happier again and start <laughs> listening to power metal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so, uh, but I mean, one of my favorite bands ever of all time, one of my favorite metal bands of all time is, you know, Impending Doom. Uh, and they're, they're a deathcore band. And, and so I, I keep trying to uh, find the heavier stuff, but, but power metal ended up being the end of the avant-garde train. But Tubbering started it all. Tubbering was like, hey, like, we're, he- we're, we're not heavy, but we're, we're a little extreme and screamy and and hey you like that and you're like oh i do like that like let me find more weird music and so yeah so everybody should listen give tubbering listen if you're gonna listen to anything listen to uh zoo hypothesis and listen to the promise keeper because that was the song that got me into them promise keeper or uh zoo hypothesis in my opinion is their best album uh followed by drake equation followed by fermi paradox followed by great filter followed by Secret Handshakes, which I think is their worst album, unfortunately. But it is the most different album of their all, but Secret Handshakes was at the bottom. And then there's their new album that they kickstarted, which I don't know if it's accessible to anybody other than digital. But that album's actually amazing. Uh, so I, I, I don't even put it in their original list because it's kind of on its own because it's a return album. But yeah. 
Suffering. That's my most influential band ever because it just it caused me to discover all the other bands. Um. All right. So, I mean, if I have to go like in general influential, I gotta go Beatles. But if we're talking about me specifically, like what inspired me, um, honestly, Harvey Danger. Um, everyone mostly just Ooh. knows the song Flagpole said, I'm not sick, but I'm not well. Yeah. 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 I had that whole album. That's still to this day, one of my favorite albums. The, I mean, the bass in that is actually a huge part of the melody and actually like holds a lot of the uh, songs in there. So as a person who was trying to learn bass at the time, that was the band that I always go to. And I still bring whistle along the bass lines every time I hear the songs. Mm. <laughs> as for favorite bands, I could list like, 10 but if we're going more recent then honestly i gotta go vampire weekend right now it's the only band that i've seen really? more than once huh. yeah yeah I, i'm a little bit on the lighter side than everyone else here but uh no, <laughs> they're I great think, live well i can attest i was the one who took you to your most recent show yes that is correct <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's that's amazing yeah boston calling and then with king baby duck evan <laughs> yeah and that was a fun show. I think I feel like that live show really brought like their most recent album, Father of the Bride, more to life than the album itself. I love what they did with Sunflower, breaking it down, like having the tempo and having. Oh more. yeah, yeah, that was so cool when they did that. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. So I guess for me, like with me being the J-pop uh, podcast host, the influential band for me has to be the pillows because the pillows because watching fully coolie and hearing that soundtrack initially thinking that pillows was like maybe like a code name for like the composer that same way yoko kano had the seatbelts for cowboy bebop <laughs> and then me finding out that they were generally a real band made me go out and find where i could like import their music and fell in love with them and then fell in love with bands that they were associated with and then it just kept growing and growing more and more as I was discovering just the whole Japanese music scene in general. Like when I first heard the song, like the first song you ever hear from the pillows when you watch Philly Cooley is One Life, which is a which is a very good song. But it's not until episode two when you hear Hybrid Rainbow for the first time ever, when you realize just how amazing of a band they are like i'm getting goosebumps right now just thinking about hybrid rainbow because of how amazing of a song it is it's i i to me i feel like if that one if anybody thinks of the fully coolie soundtrack that one goes under the radar every single time really you would think you think I, so yeah i don't know i just i i that it, it's such a it, it carries the melody throughout the entirety of episode two you know so like yeah. it um I think it might be wrong about that, but, um, but yeah, I, I don't know. I just feel like if people think of fully Cooley, they don't think of that part of Lord Conti on top of the, the school flying for the first time. Which for me, I feel like that's one of the most iconic parts of fully Cooley is that scene where you see Conti flying for the first time. Yeah. Yet another band that I've seen with King Baby Duck. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I actually saw, I, I saw them with you guys or with, uh, with Evan as well, but we, we were in the same room, but we didn't know each other then. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That was Anime Boston 2008. Anime Boston. Yeah. Yeah. And then John saw him with us at the Royale. Yeah. Which, which apparently uh, weebs like the mosh pit. Oh, God. <laughs> um, I, it was, see, it was really weird uh, to me because, so my favorite 
pillow song, especially if we're talking about from the Fooly Cooly era, is mm. um, Happy Bivak, which oh, they yeah. play during at the beginning of episode four. But yes. it's not on the Fooly Cooly OST albums. There's three albums and it's not on it. The reason why that is is because if they had put it on the on the soundtrack, they would have had practically every single song from the Happy Bivouac album on the Fully Cooly soundtrack. Oh wow! What's what's the problem with that though? <laughs> buy the damn album and support. Yeah, buy the other album. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, no, but that's I, I would say that that one is actually probably my favorite pillow. So just because it has the most, I think the most unique guitar melody I've ever heard in a song ever. Really, really, um, yeah, and you know they're still going strong to this day, like thirty, like thirty years into their career, and they're still making some great music. Not perfect music. I think the last album mm. where I would call it their music a masterpiece was 2014's Moon Dust. But like, like Please Mister Lost Man, Little Busters, Runners High, and Happy Bivouac, like four albums in a row between 1997 and 1999 where they just created rock and roll masterpieces from yeah. front to back. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so that's my influential. Now, when it comes to favorite band... And well, that's a different I question have... that's coming later. Oh, 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 that's going to be different? Yeah, I, I answered it in mine because it was, it was the same band. Okay, um, well, wait. But I, I'll, I'll, when we get back to that question, I'll give a different band. Okay. So, yeah, influential for me, definitely the pillows. And to be able to say that I got to interview them, too, is, like, still a career highlight for me. Word. All right, Greg, do you have a, the, your most influential bands ever that molded you into the person you are today? Oh, my gosh. Um, that's too hard. Can I ever redo? Hootie and the Blowfish. <laughs> Just say the Wiggles and we'll move on. Gotcha. <laughs> wiggle, wiggle, wiggle. Dun, 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 dun. Oh, that's not the... Is that not the same? No, no. no that That's Yin Yang Twins, I think. It's LMFAO. That's oh gosh, <laughs> no, honestly, influential band. I was yeah. a huge fan of uh Blink 182 back in the day. Oh, they're great live, they, I, I bet they Bethesda. are. See, I never got to see them live, and I'm kind of uh bummed out about that. <laughs> Look at Derek gloating that he saw them live. <laughs> I saw them for free at a Bethesda after party in front of Skyrim stuff. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> I'm a little jelly, not gonna lie. <laughs> Just a little bit jelly. <laughs> Skyrim was last episode. <laughs> <laughs> and I missed it. No. <laughs> That's okay. There once was a hero named Ragnar the Red. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh. So do I mean? Do we want to just talk about our favorite band then now? Or yeah. Like if if we're if we're gonna touch that. I, I, um, because I mean, I, I have plenty of bands that I can that I can talk about, and like the Aquabats, they're the ones I've seen the most in concert. I would say, actually, have I seen them the most in concert? Or I probably? think, yeah, I think that's the band we've seen most in concert is the Aquabats. I've seen them maybe what five times, four or five, five times, yeah, yeah. It's and with good. you guys. They're good every time. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and then we became friends with their opening act, Cuckoo Kangaroo. I know. <laughs> yeah, and and now they're and now they're like bigger than than we can handle. <laughs> yeah. um, no, I still talk to them online from time to time. That's good. That's good. Um, I, so I, I it, 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 this is weird because it's going to kind of go into influential bands too, because uh, I love the Aquabats so much. Greatest superhero group slash rock band of all time. Also a ska band from the nineties, you know, <laughs> um, but 
Um, they're the band that also got me into the bands that influenced them, like the Cars. I love yeah. the Cars now. And um, mm-hmm. uh, t- Talking Heads kind of, yeah. in a way. Oingo um, Boingo. What? Oh, oh, Oingo Boingo? Yeah, right? If you uh, listen to Oingo Boingo and the Aquabats, they sound almost identical. Yeah. And um, you can tell that Oingo Boingo was like a huge influence on them. Yeah. So there's like, I, so actually listening to the Aquabats created my love for 80s new wave. So like even, mm-hmm. even like, oh, oh, Devo, Devo's on that list too. Yeah. Like if you, Oh, Devo for sure. Oh my yeah. gosh. Oh yeah. Like uh, if you like any of those bands, you'll love the Aquabats. Uh, Cause especially because all their songs are about superheroes and stuff like, and they also put on, I think one of the greatest stage shows for a concert because they have toy commercials. They have, uh, they fight bad guys on stage um it like, used to it used to be more hardcore in the 90s though when it was all teenagers going to the show now there's like a bunch of little kids and they're just like hey can you please not mosh on the little kids please thanks yeah um which is understandable i mean so it's kind of funny that this is only happening to them now because they they had the aquabat super show on the hub uh hasbro's channel back in the day and it's an amazing show but all the kids started seeing it and then all the kids started getting into the aquabats and now they have this new generation that loves them, uh, but it's not that punk rock crowd that was back in the 90s. Yeah, uh, the MC Bat Commander is no longer lighting his head on fire and doing backflips. <laughs> yeah. he, he's no longer doing that on stage when there's That's, little kids in the audience. Well, it, I don't think it's because there's little kids in the audience. I think it's because he's like old now. Yeah, <laughs> well, yeah Christian, I mean, Christian Jacobs is a lot older, but... I, I I also think that there's a little bit of an influence factor there. Like when it was a bunch of teenagers in the audience, you know, flipping off the bad guy when they walked on stage, <laughs> boo, you know, like, it was like, boo, we hate you, F you. You know, it was like, uh-oh, bad guys, kids. Um, and then, and now it's like a bunch of little kids in the audience. I don't think he can light his head on fire. No. Although the kids are still flipping off the bad guy, though. <laughs> little tiny middle fingers. <laughs> yeah yeah so i oh man i really like that um one uh swiftly recently one of my more favorite bands or or performers you know that has come together is andrew wk i mean talk about like party rock and like and it's just yeah. wanting to just wanting to feel good about yourself i mean man just put pop in some andrew wk and you feel better about about everything right it's that's that's another one. I, I I feel like I could go on and on and on about bands um, well, that I like, but I that's think that's kind of why like here. when I when I want to talk about my favorite bands, mine's the top three. Like I like I can't I can't just pick like this is my favorite band of all. I could probably I could from those top three I could probably break it down to who who which one's at my actually favorite band, but um. But there's a very specific reason why, you know, these top three are all my favorite because they all showed up at the same time. And I've actually talked about this on Evan's show. Uh, so so favorite, favorite band is uh, Freedom Call. Freedom yeah. Call is, is one of my favorite bands of all time. Twilight Force. Twilight Force is one of my favorite bands of all time. And Sabaton is my, one of my favorite bands of all time. And they all showed up as my favorite band at the same exact time. And, yep. and it was all very recent as well. And I think it's because favorite bands, your, your music taste changes over time. Cause at one time I was like, Oh, Grendel's my favorite band ever. 
And then at one time, and then, and then his new music is like, uh, he's not very good anymore. And I kind of outgrew it. And then, um, uh, and then it was, you know, Oh, at one time, Oh, Tubbering is my favorite band of all time. Oh, Haste the Day is my favorite band of all time. Uh, but now that I'm older and my brain has stopped growing after, you know, being 25 at one point, I, I think that's why, like I discovered power metal, like right when I was 25 years old and, uh, actually, no, I, that's a lie. It was more like when I was 27 years old, but that was like solidifying, like, Oh, like this is your music taste for the rest of your life. It was uh, um, when we were at the baby metal show, when they played the Swedish pagans by Sabaton, like yeah. all of us were like, what is this? What yeah. is this? It, it was like, it was like staring into the face of God when that song came on because everything just stopped and we were all like, we have to find out <laughs> what is so the we, answer. So I think Andrew sat- was the one who like dove into Sabaton first for all of us. Oh, and then yeah. we like kind of came in and we were like, oh shit, they're amazing. Yeah, I was like, hey guys, listen to this. That was in 2017 when um when the great or when uh the last stand came out. Yeah, and you know it's no, really 16. Funny too. No, it's because, 16. 2016. Um, because that song that we heard, it, it was Swedish Pagans. Mm-hmm. Um and it's it's not even their best album, The Art of War. It's a good album, but it's yeah, not yeah. their best album. Um, but Swedish Pagans is like a, a solid track. And now I actually like a lot of tracks on The Art of War. But um, I told you. I told you. Well, I like Price of a Mile and stuff like that. Um, the, their slower stuff, too. Like, pretty mm-hmm. good. Um, but yeah, uh, but I, I think The Last Stand is just straight across the board. Best album. Yeah, uh, well... I mean, there. I think I actually think. All right, we're not going to be getting into best albums because that's going to take ages to get through. Because I, I just want to finish my segment. <laughs> but uh, but if we're talking about best albums for Sabaton, I think The Great War may have overtaken Colorus Rex. I agree. I agree. I, agree. I was going to say that too. Like Colorus Rex is an amazing album, but I feel like what they've been trying to accomplish in their entire careers, they accomplished with The Great War. Oh my gosh, The Great War is one of the I, most. Amazing I haven't new felt that ever. way yet. To be honest with you, I haven't felt that way yet. I like the Listen album. To Don't it, get all right. Um, we need to drag Derek along to a Sabaton show. Yes, we do. He would love it. He would love it. Yeah. Um, Especially if they get a band like Creator to open up again. Oh, no, they got to open up with they got to open up with Twilight Force. I Creator didn't was like Creator. Yeah, I Creator was like balls uh, compared to like <laughs> what they like could have them. in a power metal band. <laughs> I don't like thrash metal. I think thra- as far as like metal genre goes, I think thrash metal is literally the worst metal genre ever. Yeah. Uh like Metallica, they suck. I hate Metallica. And then, uh, and like, yeah, I just can't get into it. I, I think thrash metal is the worst metal. But um, actually, next to like grindcore, maybe. But anyway, grindcore. Anyway, Freedom Call and Twilight Force, though, came in a very important time in my life, uh, aka when our dad was dying and died. Uh, and And they like really. Where that music was just like I'm here for you, ah, like and like. So I, I to be a little bit more specific too, like the album of Freedom Call that you discovered was yeah. called Beyond, and the yeah. entire album is about the afterlife. And yeah, it, like, and we discovered it. Andrew discovered it the exact same time that our dad was on his was in hospice and on his. Death. Well, yeah, I think. Well, I, I started listening to Freedom Call like literally the day after he died, and um and and that album like I don't want to say Spoke. saved me because it didn't save me because I wasn't like suicidal or anything or anything but but like it 
it was like th- that album showed up and I was just like, oh my gosh, like this is this is what I need right now. It helped and you I think, mourn. Yeah, I, I yeah, and I think forever and always that will be the best album I've ever heard is is beyond by by Freedom Call. And that to to this day, that is the the best Freedom Call album ever. And I've listened to all their albums. They're they're amazing. I agree. I agree. Uh, Beyond is the best album they ever made, and it's so underplayed. They do not play it at their live shows. They play like a couple songs from it. Not even actually like one. One. Yeah. yeah, they play one song from the Beyond album. Uh, but but that is yeah. Uh, as and but I, I also found that after Dad passed away, I would just listen to a Twilight Force album from beginning to end over and over and over and over again, and uh, mm. and I basically dream of the day that I get to see uh, Sabaton, Twilight Force, and Freedom Call all together. Which which is a possibility. Which is a possibility because Twilight Force and Freedom Call, I mean, Twilight Force and Sabaton are friends and they they used to tour together so they could tour together again. And Freedom Call was at Sabaton Open Air or was supposed to be slated for Sabaton Open Air. So in 2021, Sabaton Open Air is featuring Sabaton, Twilight Force, and Freedom Call. I was like, oh my gosh, I have to go to Sweden. <laughs> <laughs> which so, is a nice place I you anyways. and I have actually talked about that yeah yeah we've, we've talked plan. about going to Sweden for a summer to go to Sabaton Open Air yeah I think we, we were like saying like let's do Japan for a month and then Sweden for a second month <laughs> that sounds expensive <laughs> I know it does it's like we're, you're, you're easily but you're hey today this is a great time to be saving money right now like, <laughs> <laughs> it's nothing to do <laughs> uh, Derek do you have an answer like that uh, well, I already kind of touched on it a little bit recently yeah. in Vampire Weekends, but um, kind of the same as you where like different stages of my life, I've kind of picked up different favorites. So I'm kind of at the point where I can look back, kind of cherry pick. I'm like, that one was actually a favorite. That one was actually a favorite. Yeah. So yeah, looking totally. back, it's going to be, I mean, I'm going to be a little cliche here, but the Beatles obviously led zeppelin that i don't think a, there's anything wrong with saying a beatles album is is one of the best albums you've ever heard i mean oh, are we doing albums or bands right now oh band band bands. yeah you, that's okay right. yeah <laughs> um zeppelin definitely um then gotta go white stripes uh just for once again me being someone who was you know trying to learn instruments and stuff too that's obviously a very easy one to learn but at the same time you know the guitar parts do oh. do 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 not done on a bass yeah yeah ah, yeah yeah i remember when the album first came out people were like spreading rumors that it was flea playing bass on that song and you're like no that's jack <laughs> but jack white has played bass on a beck song before yes i'll go it alone on yep. guerrero yep which i think is the best song on that album Yep, uh, another one, Beck. Beck is another amazing. concert that I saw with them. Uh, yeah. Let's see. And yeah, it's it's basically been just a collection of, you know, almost stories or parts of my life, you know, starting with the Beatles and Led Zeppelin mm-hmm. in high school, then going into college, uh, Vampire Weekend, Beck. Actually, Beck, the reason I got into them is because I went to Salvation Army once and found Odelay on uh, a tape deck. <laughs> So I got that, and that stayed in my car for as long as I had a tape deck. <laughs> oh my gosh! You just you just reminded me tape decks. That that you know what that brought me back to the Offspring. Yes, that was oh. one of the most influential bands ever as well. That that was probably actually where I started like listening to hard harder music. That's that's probably the point in my life where I said you know punk rock is okay. I actually. <laughs> 
over over there behind me, uh, sitting on my shelf, is my uh, Conspiracy of One tape. Like I have a cassette tape of Conspiracy of One by the Offspring sitting sitting over on my on my shelf. It's like a museum. Belongs on a museum. Yeah. <laughs> uh, along with a, a uh, an Elton John, I have an Elton John tape as well because Elton John is one of my favorite musicians ever. Yeah, you know? the movie Rocket Man is excellent too. Oh. That shows mm-hmm. his story. Real good. Mm-hmm. Is uh, anything else, Derek? Uh, I think I'll, I'll think I'm good with that list there. Yeah. There's you know, a, there's a, there's more good. more questions to come. <laughs> yeah. yeah. All right, Evan. Okay, I had to think about this. So my taste in music has changed dramatically throughout my entire career. So let me let me see if I can flow this like seamlessly. I went from listening because of my sister. I, I, I was listening to boy bands as a little kid and then moved on from there to gangster rap, to Prince, nice. whose Purple Rain album amazing might might be talking about that a little bit later to the to the grateful dead to pink floyd to corn to rammstein to the white stripes to the strokes to queens of the stone age to hardcore punk and j-pop like my i have so i have such an eclectic taste where like I can go from listening to, I could go from listening to uh, like something like really heavy. Like I could listen to a Metallica album and then move on to Tony Bennett seamlessly. Like that's the kind of person that I am when it comes to my music. Like I can be in the mood for anything at any time. So regarding that, when it comes to favorite bands for me, the first one, seeing as that my name, my pen name is, or nickname is King Baby Duck, you have to talk about Joshua Hami and his work with like Queens of the Stone Age and Eagles of Death Metal and them Crooked Vultures. Like those, the, the albums that he does for those bands are just some of the most hard rocking, trippy albums out there. But not trippy as in like druggy, but trippy as in you feel like you're going on an adventure with Queens of the Stone Age or Eagles of Death Metal, whether it's something like epic or sexy with Eagles of Death Metal. It's so much fun listening to a Queens of the Stone Age record and then seeing them live. I think they're the band I've seen live most, uh, Queens of the Stone Age. Like, even when they're just playing their songs live, they bring such a vibe and personality to their music that is, you can't really compare to anything else that you can see at a really good hard rock show. But when it comes to like all time favorite band, and so my story with me finding out about this band is just me reading about certain like groups and such while I was doing college radio. And then, and the name that popped up for me one time, which kind of like, like made me go, huh? Was a band called fucked up. And yeah. yeah. <laughs> And, and for a while, I like kind of like avoided listening to them because I was going to assume that they were going to be this sort of noise chorus kind of like crappy sounding band. Like they're called fucked up. They can't be really taking their music seriously. So one day I came across all these articles about the band and how like their most recent album of their time, The Chemistry of Common Life, was on the top 10 list of all of these music lists, including the New York Times. So I'm like, okay. 
let me give this a try then. So I get their album, The Chemistry of Common Life, and I put it into my iPod and I go out for a walk because I like to listen to new music while I'm out for a walk. When the first song, Son the Father, hits, what happened with me was like, I just stopped walking. Like I was in shock by what I was hearing off of this album. So shocked that without realizing it, I had stopped walking for almost 20, 25 minutes because I was so engulfed in the music that fucked up was creating in the chemistry of common life. Like it was at a time where like I had just gone out of college. I was thinking, all right, the next chapter of my life is about to begin and such. And I didn't know where I was going to go. And just this album just woke me up in a way that I never thought I would wake up musically. The Chemistry of Common Life, I feel, is such, it's not their best album, but they're a band that has never released like an album that's been below excellent. Every album, what it is, Hidden World, Chemistry of Common Life, David Comes to Life, uh, Glass Boys, and Dose Dreams, every album of theirs is excellent. And... Those three of the albums there, Chemistry of Common Life, David Comes to Life, and Dosha Dreams are three of my all-time favorite albums. Because, so, so Chemistry of Common Life is like practically a straight-up hardcore punk album with a little bit of some really cool avant-garde instrumental parts in a couple of tracks. David Comes to Life is where they kind of started experimenting a little bit more where they would add like hard, where it would be hardcore punk, but they would add like Beach Boys harmonies to some of the tracks. And it would fit in so perfectly to the lyrics that Damien was spouting. But it was, but it's their most recent album, Dosha Dreams, 28, their 2018 album, which was my album of the year pick that year, where they just took every single music genre you can think of and made an album out of that. And the way it flowed, is so perfect that I have yet to come across an album that I could compare it to. Nothing from the past, nothing that has followed afterwards. Like they do, they do the hardcore punk, they do dream pop, they do like the arcade fire kind of indie rock kind of styles. They do beach boy kind of tracks. It is one of the most jaw dropping and most beautiful records out there. While I will say that David Comes Life is their best punk album straight through. Dosha Dreams is like absolutely their best album, period, because of how much they experiment, but do it in a way that is still true to the fucked up name. And they're probably the band I've seen the, the second most after Queens of the Stone Age. They, their frontman, Damien, is is a ninja when he's on stage because one second he'll be on the stage next second he'll be in the crowd just <laughs> uh, roaring the vocals i don't like saying he's screaming the vocals he's roaring it because he's putting so much passion into the songs that he is performing it, it, just just fucked up is i know i know people may to be turned off by the name but once you hear their music they'll you can't like like the name doesn't matter anymore. The music is what matters most. And they do an amazing job with the music that they create. All right. Whew. Uh, Greg, 
who's your who's your favorite band that's really tough because i'm more of um i'm fluid with a lot of music so i only it's like i would love individual tracks more than just like one favorite band Boo! Um, <laughs> i know i'm sorry um like right now i'm very into like edm that's kind of where i'm at right now edm i've seen dead mouse live it's a, he he puts on a great show Oh yeah, um, for sure. Um, I haven't really listened to his stuff. I actually have to look up like the. There's one main musician I can pull up my Spotify. You, you and I were talking about Caravan Palace once. So yeah, I awesome. They they are. Um, I use one of their songs for like a college radio show I used to do. Um, but that's like I've only heard like two of their songs, so I can't say I'm like the biggest fan. Um, but. Here it is. I think it's they're called Seven Lions right now, and they feature this artist Dylan Matthew. They do some EDM music. I've been really into them right now. Uh, they seem to have some very good tracks. Um, but yeah, as I said earlier, I can't. I don't really have one favorite artist. I mean, it's just it's whatever I'm feeling. Like I'll listen to almost anything except like jazz and um, soul music. Doesn't really do it for me. But like everything else, even the pop country, which y'all hate. Mm-hmm. That does drink some beers in half six with my horse. Yes, well, except that last part. I don't really want to do that ever, but yeah. So, you know, whatever I feel that day. We got two Andrews. Oh no, no, we yeah, just have I've crashed like five or six times now. Oh gosh. All Hopefully right. So, what do we got for our next question? Um. <laughs> well, I. Uh, I kind of like the the notion of um, going onto an album that we've listened to over and over again, like an album that, like if if you had to pick an album, you know, or 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 just an album in your past that you've that you've listened to over and over again. Uh, I have a couple of stories that I can I can lead into this one. Um, oh, okay. There's so uh, I'll, I'll give two two separate examples. Uh, one's more recent, and one is uh, from the past. I remember there was this time that Andrew and I we we drove to high school together. We only had one car in the day, so when we went to high school, we would drive together. And Andrew, how long was was it? Was it Destroy the Runner, Rise of the Wolf King, that was in our car? Oh my gosh, no that that's Haste the Day. Haste today. The, Haste what's the, what was the Destroy the Runner album that was in our car for literally oh. like two years and we did not change it? Yeah. Oh, Lucifer. Oh, Lucifer. So, yeah. Oh, man. I Lucifer. I so, Lucifer. I Lucifer. Yeah. So, so the I Lucifer album of Destroy the Runner, that, that would probably be one of my answers for this anyway. Uh, I mean, uh, Attack of the Wolf King was college and that was in my car for probably just, just about as long. Uh, but, but, uh, I Lucifer was, was in our car for, and, and did not leave forever. And I can, li- I can still listen to that album like over and over and over and over and over again. It's, that's a great album. Uh, I was, I was that kid. I was that kid in high school listening to metalcore, you know, he's like, Oh, was, I wasn't like that weird kid that would sit in the corner and listen to metalcore. I was just like the metalcore kid. Like every, everybody knew me being like, Andrew has a weird taste in music. Like he likes the music where they scream a lot, you know, like that yeah. was me. That was that kid. Yeah. Um, so there was that one, uh, which I think that we switched it out with the gorillas every once in a while. But, uh, but that one stayed, it stayed really strong for such a long time. The, 
Well, and the funny part about that is, though, it's a metalcore album, but they don't scream. It's all clean lyrics. Right, yeah. Like, uh, the, first, no the first the uh, first track has a, is a little bit a of scream, but it's, it's, it's the backing vocals, not. Yeah. Um, but more recently, now the album that I have on loop in my car, which actually is still a part of. Is Spotify. <laughs> yeah no so let's say that my internet breaks and i can't uh, or or my wi-fi or my phone i don't have it with me or something like that and i can't get to spotify while i'm in the car um i i have an album in my cd player that i that i just turn on as like an alternative to music uh for music and it's um it's brave saint saturn which mm. is uh um Reese Roper from Five Iron Frenzy's band after Five Iron Frenzy broke up. And as a matter of fact, it's Reese Roper, Dennis Culp, who was the the trombone player. Um, Keith, I forget Keith's last name because he he left the band. Um, but Keith was their bass player and he was also the bass player for them. And then Andy, who was the drummer for Five Iron Frenzy. So four of the Five Iron Frenzy uh, people were in a Brave Saint Saturn after Five Iron broke up. Uh, and uh, what was the name of the album? Uh, uh, the Light of All Things Hoped For. Um, such a hopeful album. And the reason why I had it in my car was for the same reason why Andrew listened to um, Freedom Calls Beyond for so long is because it's like an album that sounds like it's in mourning. And, it ha and I found that album when uh, my dad was passing away, when our dad was passing away. Um, so I, I, I still listen to that song and each track has this feeling of a, like a form of mourning in some way. And it goes through the seven stages of mourning kind of when you listen to that album and they're for different reasons uh, too. It's a brilliantly uh, um, uh, composed album that's telling the story. So like you're listening to these songs and in between there's these story parts where um, where it's like these astronauts that are going to space and then they get lost in space and then um, NASA loses uh, contact with them. And then at the end of the album, they see the light of the sun, which tells them their direction to go home. Um, so like there's this story that takes place across the entire album while just regular songs are playing. Uh, and I listened to that on loop uh, when it, just for whatever reason. And for a time it was, it was like this album that helped me heal after the loss of, of dad. Uh, and now it's just a really good album that speaks to me as a reminder of that. And it, it for whatever reason, it makes me feel good. Um, so that album is always on loop, always on hand. But uh, when I was doing that, <laughs> when I was doing, no, not major Tom, <laughs> although that is, that is some good stuff. Um, but uh, I had that album in my car for six months straight. I actually ha I remember the amount of time that I had that album in my car. I listened to it for six months straight in my car. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. 
I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Next. Nice. That's a good album. <laughs> mm. um, yeah. Uh, so besides the I Lucifer album uh, that, that we had in the car and, and almost never removed, uh an album that I listen to and never like on repeat is gee, I don't know. I, I listen, I seriously have listened to the new twilight force album every single day since it was released last year. Yeah. Um, yeah. Even to the point where like Spotify is just like, Hey, did you know that freedom call and twilight force are your favorite bands ever? And I was like, yeah, like, thanks. <laughs> and, uh, and, uh, uh, so the new Twilight Force album, Dawn of the Dragon Star, is. I know I'm crashing. By the <laughs> way, um, just as a as a, a thing for everybody, real quick, uh, Twilight Force is a band that tells a story from the beginning of their album to the end of their album. Uh, so it's like that when they're writing a new album, they they play a Dungeons and Dragons campaign. And then they take that Dungeons and Dragons campaign and they turn it into a full-fledged album. Uh, that's the way that they operate. So if you want to hear really good storytelling through music, that's the way that Twilight Force works in a way. All right, I'm back. Hey, I really hate Zoom. Can we not use Zoom anymore? Yeah, I actually have an alternate <laughs> method that we could use. Like, let's, let's not use this piece of garbage that's stealing all of our information. <laughs> Everything steals our information, man. Anyway, oh no, they're gonna hide. They're gonna take my hidden porn folder and delete it. Oh no! Um, <laughs> I, I I'm hesitant to talk because every time I turn on Zoom, it crashes once, then reloads, then turns back on. So I'll start talking again. But oh wait, there it goes. It's crashing. <laughs> I love somebody how he, like, he knows when he's crashing. So, somebody else. Uh, somebody else take their turn. So I would say from when it comes to my all-time favorite album, and this is an album that I feel I can listen to front to back every single time. And my introduction to this album was like one, I, I think I was about nine or 10 years old and I was listening to Kiss 108 and it was Maddie in the Morning was, was, uh, was spinning. And all of a sudden I start hearing like this, like, like church organ just, do and like like my ears just start peeking up and all of a sudden i just start someone i just start hearing someone going dearly beloved we are gathered here today to get this thing through called life electric world life means forever that's a long time but i'm here to tell you there's something else the afterworld and as the song and as he st keeps on preaching like i'm getting closer and closer into the music and all of a sudden i'm realizing that i am being introduced to prince for the very first time oh no and that go. song let's go crazy just starts up and like my whole body feels like a rocket that's just that just zooms right into outer space hearing this song if you want to talk about one of the most perfect opening songs ever on an album it's let's go crazy and that album is purple rain 
Purple Rain is one of those albums where every single one of their songs, Let's Go Crazy, Take Me With You, The Beautiful Ones, Computer Blue, Darling Nikki, When Doves Cry, I Will Die For You, Baby You're a Star, and Purple Rain, of course, are all masterpieces of like pop and rock and roll. And it's interesting because, and it's interesting, initial, my initial choice was, was going to be Pink Floyd The Wall. But my love for Pink Floyd The Wall came from the movie. And I feel like that's, I feel like my love for that album comes more for loving both the movie and the stage show as well. Purple Rain is an album where like, even though it's technically a soundtrack to the film that Prince did, you know, the movie was meh. The album that came out of that film that Prince made is just, honestly, the way I describe it is that this should have been the album that should have destroyed any credibility to Michael Jackson's thriller. Like, I listened to Purple Rain. I feel like that this was Prince, after hearing the song, hearing Thriller, going, that's cute. Let me try something else here. And just that whole album, it, uh, even after I've listened to it like 200, 300, thousands of times I've listened to it, I'm still blown away by just how majestic of a pop rock album it is. And one of the biggest regrets in my life right now is never getting to see Prince live in concert. Because I think the furthest he's ever come to perform here was probably either like Rhode Island or Connecticut. He never came to Boston when I was aware of his music. So never seeing him live is one of my biggest regrets. But that album, Purple Rain, is just a masterpiece through and through. It's an album that I feel like is like the greatest album to ever come out of the 80s. And it's an album that I feel like should be on the top of anyone's list when it comes to like albums that like changed the rock and roll or pop rock stratosphere. Just a real quick note, look up a video of Prince playing at the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame and a tribute to George Harrison. While the when my get where my guitar gently weeps. Oh my God, that performance. The he takes is, over in that song, he just owns everyone else on the stage. <laughs> yeah. I remember there was an interview with like, like Eric Clapton who's like, like what someone asked Eric Clapton was like, what's it like being one of the greatest, the greatest guitarists in the world? And Eric Clapton goes, I don't know. I'm not Prince. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, Purple Rain for me, I think is like my all time favorite album. It wasn't the first album I fell in love with. That was Huey Lewis in the news is sports. But when it comes to an album that I still listen to, to this very day, ever since I first got it. It's definitely Purple Rain by Prince. So when it comes to albums, I need something that kind of like tells a story, not necessarily like verbally tell a story, but it needs to be able to flow from one song to the next and feel like it's all part of the same work for me. Hmm. Um, So a good example of that would be Yoshimi Battles the Pink Robots with uh, the Flaming Lips. Hmm. Some of the songs are a little bit... um, on the unconventional side, there's a little bit of a uh, noise in there, especially when it comes to uh, Battle in the Pink Robots Part Two, <laughs> when you just get a bunch of nice screams in there. Um, mm-hmm. But let's see, 
on the newer side, Wolfgang Amadeus Phoenix by Phoenix was actually one of my favorites with uh, Listomania 1901. Uh, but if we're going to go for all-time favorite, favorite, close to Evans when he started to touch on the wall, but I'm actually going to go Pink Floyd's Animals. It's only five tracks, and the bookends are basically almost identical, just like in intro and an epilogue almost um, right pigs on the wing yeah but um like sheep is like their most badass song i actually like pigs three different ones that's a good song too but like uh-huh, when sure i listen to sh- when i when i listen to sheep i just imagine just this epic throwdown happening while that song happens hmm. and like even obviously they're telling a story but the instruments themselves kind of tell a story through that each of the songs aside mm. from pigs on the wing part one and two each of the songs are at least 10 minutes long i believe maybe like yeah a dogs is like long. 17 pigs yeah. is like 15 and like sheep is like 11 minutes bro derek all you're telling me right now is i have to listen to power metal like how have you not listened to power metal it's like all narrative storytelling music with so- some songs that are long ah <laughs> uh, it's because i like to relax a little <laughs> but it's, it's so relaxing it's super relaxing metal is like one of the most calming genres ever because it's so aggressive because it's doing all the aggression for you mm. and power metal is is actually the the least aggressive metal out there yeah. it's just it's fast but it's not aggressive because it's, it's happy metal right <laughs> you, you would love twilight force man Give Twilight Force a listen. You have to listen to them. It's so good. Yeah. I heard it was a good Legend of Zelda game. (laughs) (laughs) No, we'll do. Um, So, yeah, I got to go. If we're going to pick favorite album, Pink Floyd's Animals. Very short and sweet, but it's right to the point and Mm -hmm. definitely has a nice little adventure built into it. Right. I believe it's a whole homage to um, George Orwell's Animal Farm. Yes. Yes. Mm. Mm-hmm. Which is an homage to our wonderful world that we live in. <laughs> uh. <laughs> All right. So, uh, should I go back to Dawn of the Dragon Star now that my computer's not crashing? Yes. Go ahead. Okay. So, so uh, as far as like an album that I can listen to on repeat endlessly, uh, I've I've literally listened to Dawn of the Dragon Star, Twilight Force's new album. Uh, every single day since it's been released. And that includes... Uh, that includes, like, the singles that got released. So they released, like, a single of... of uh, uh, Night of Winter Light, which is, like, the song... Like, I listen to that song more than, like, the full... Al- like, almost for more than the full album itself. Like, I, I put hours into listening to that song on repeat like over and over and over again as it after it was released it's the most badass christmas song ever (laughs) and uh um and then when the album came out like the so the first the first the first song dawn of the dragon star is basically an overture to like the whole album so it like basically dawn of the dragon star starts kicks you in the face with like here's what the album's about and then it's and then the album starts over with with thunder sword where it starts calmly. So it starts, starts off big, big explosive opening, small, uh, gentle uh, thunder, thunderstorm opening, then tells you the rest of the story and picks up 
from there. And, uh, and I literally listened to that, that album once a day, just from beginning to end, no, no skips. Uh, some songs are obviously better than others and I, I could skip songs, but no reason. It's just such a good adventure. They even have a 12 minute song on there. It's Twilight Force's longest song they've ever made. Um, and in even that song alone being 12 minutes, I just listened to the whole thing. It's, it's such a great song. It's so good. Um, and it changes up enough where you, you feel like you're engaged the whole time and, oh yeah, perfect album. And then, and then after the, at the end of the album, they have a bunch of bonus songs of one of which is like an, not really an indie cover, but like a piano ballad with an indie singer cover of Power of the Ancient Force, which I always imagine to be, um, like if Twilight Force is a goofy Saturday morning cartoon, this is like the song that they used in the trailer for the gritty remake of yeah. <laughs> of, of Twilight Force. The, the and, singer um, the singer sounds like Lord, you know. You know, yeah, it's her. it's kind of like it's kind of like that moany indie girl singer, you know, that you always hear. Uh, it's really with, good. Yeah, but except it's really good because I, I really hate indie music, as as it were. Uh, pop indie, I should say. Not like indie, like indie as a genre that it sucks. It's it's, it's the worst. But <laughs> but uh, but like this, this that song is, is a really, really good cover. Um, uh, this Unfortunately, this is the first uh, Twilight Force album where they didn't have Joachim Broden as a guest singer, but... I guess I can give it a pass on that, seeing that it's probably the best album that they've ever released. They don't need him anymore. They're, they're I know. Doing well on like, we're, we're so good. The, the way they come... So, backstory on this album as well. The first two albums have a different singer. So, yeah. everybody was super So everybody was super nervous when this album was coming out. They were like, oh, no. Was it Twilight Force, the, the musicians that made the band, or was it the singer that made the band? Because Christian Erickson... Uh, one of the most amazing singers ever. One of the most talented, amazing singers I've ever heard can hit the highest of the high notes. Like if, if you know a power metal band and you're just like, that's the highest pitch singer I've ever heard. You're wrong. Cause Eric, uh, Eric Christensen, did I say Christian Erickson the first time? I think it's Eric Christensen. I don't know. He's just, Oh my gosh. Chris. These stu- these sweetest names, Swedish names. It could be, it could be one or the other. <laughs> um, anyway, uh, greatest power metal singer ever can hit the highest notes ever. New album comes out. We're super worried. We don't know what it's going to sound like. Uh, Alessandro Conti is the new singer. And we're like, oh, geez, he sings for Rhapsody of Fire. I don't know if he can do Twilight Force. And then the music just, the album is released since the best album I've ever heard. It, Alessandro Conti knocks it out of the park. Uh, it, it absolutely is Twilight Force's uh, stunning com- compositions and the best music writing I've ever heard. Uh, they just produced the best album ever, even with without uh, without uh, Christian as a singer. So, uh, yeah, it's and Chris, Christian released his own album. Yeah, North Tail at, at the same at the same time, and it was significantly weaker, wasn't it? It was bad. It was a bad <laughs> album, and it, and it wasn't. I don't think it was Christian's fault. I think it was. I think it was that the compositions within the album were really, really boring and bad. But the lyrics were also really crappy. Um, I'll listen to. I'll listen to when if they release a second North Tail album. I'll listen to it to maybe maybe it's better. But without Twilight Force, like writing those compositions, man, that album suffered bad. 
Yeah. So. Well, he's even said in an interview he was sick of of singing about dragons. Yeah, it's just like, so I'd that's like all to you're good about, at, man. Yeah, I'd, I'd like to I'd like to sing about something other than dragons, uh, <laughs> which is pretty much all Twilight Force sings about because they sing about you know the ancient the ancient dragons and stuff and mm-hmm. in fantasy and it, I'm sorry, like that that was that's the way to go, dragons. <laughs> so um, for the next part, unless. I know that we had we had trouble with the the last one, Greg, because you could only speak in genres. Do you have an album that you want to talk about? Um, <laughs> you know, I think Derek touched on this earlier. Maybe growing up, because my mother and sister were like always playing music around the house. Like the Beatles' White Album comes to mind as like really influential to me, um, just because I heard it so much. And I mean, honestly, I still think they're kind of the greatest band of all time, even though some in this room might disagree with me. Andrew, <laughs> what I I like oh, I have I've never said anything bad about the Beatles. <laughs> I thought you hate like did not like them because they were too pop music. No, I like the Beatles. I mean, you'd be you'd have to be insane not to recognize the influence that the musical influence that the Beatles had on the on the planet. <laughs> yeah, because I uh I but for me personally, like their early stuff, I, I don't really like their early stuff, but that's just because of, like, yeah, I I'm talking about like, like I want to hold your hand. 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 Yeah. Like, good. Yeah. Great, that's great writing. So right they there. got really good when they started taking acid is what you're trying to yeah. say. <laughs> exactly. Honestly, they did. Like, like once, like once the Sergeant Pepper al- like album dropped, like that was incredible. It was an incredible album. <laughs> I'll even go back to revolver and rubber soul too. Those two, that's when they really started to come out and when they actually let George start to do some of the writing too. <laughs> yeah. Uh, look, Ringo's say, got a song. I, I will <laughs> say though, it, uh, on, on that note though, I was like, I really do not like John Lennon. Uh, and I'm, <gasps> and I'm sorry, I know, I'm sorry to say that, but I <gasps> don't. I'm, I'm team Paul. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm kind of in the same way. Like, as much as I like John Lennon, I love Paul McCartney's solo stuff more than John Lennon's. Yeah. Because I feel like John Lennon is too much of a downer yeah. <laughs> with his music. Whereas Paul McCartney just makes you feel good. I mean... Yeah. His most recent hey. album, Egypt Station, is amazing. Yeah. Hey, sometimes I like to be a little sad, okay? Well, I, <laughs> I need to cry. It's not even that. It's just John Lennon is so intolerant. Like that was that's his problem. Well, he's he's intolerant and uh I don't um I had a word before, but it it left. But yeah, it, it's he's a double standards kind of guy. He's well, a he's hypocrite. Kind of, yeah, well, no, he's kind of pompous. Like he kind of has like this air about him that's like, that's like I I know better than that. Like I'm enlightened. Like I feel enlightened to the world after after marrying Yoko Ono. And it's like, fired. Shots fired. No, did, uh, did, have you guys seen the live video of when him and Yoko were on stage at like it was on a late night television show and it, literally the entire comment section is why would he ever let that woman sing? Like, oh God. I remember our mother. I remember our mother talking about Yoko Uno really, really yeah. bad. <laughs> like, like it just she was like, I really like John's songs, but then Yoko starts singing on the album, and it was just like this. Oh, 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 what, is it, what is that? You know song what's weird called? is that that there's only one time where I felt like Yoko Ono actually sounded good, and it was for a Flaming Lips song. Oh, really? I thought it was. Yeah, the, it was on Merry the Flaming Christmas Lips and, and, he- and Heady Friends ones. <laughs> it's uh, um. 
Yeah, Flaming Lips and Hedy Fuenz. It's a song called Do It, and it's with Yoko Ono and the Plastic Ono Band. Huh. And it's like the only good time where like they did a great job of the song. Where, where she did a great job of the song. That's funny. That's funny. <laughs> By the way, that album is awesome. It's got like Nick Cave in there, Jim James from My Morning Jacket, Edward Chop and the Magnetic Zeros, Bon Iver. Some really good artists on that record. Um, I'm... I'm sure Derek has listened to this album. Mm. <laughs> uh, Honestly, if I'm going to go with the mashup Flaming Lips album, I'm going to go with a little help from my friends. <laughs> oh, yeah. that is Yeah, their rendition of Sgt. Pepper was actually really good. Yeah. Um, so just as just to say, like, uh, if if anybody out there is on Team John, like that's totally fine. Like, I, I <laughs> it's just that like I I didn't like his stuff, and that, and that's just my opinion. But like, it, John people who like John Lennon have perfectly good reason to like him. I don't know. It's, I um yeah, I actually got this. I actually went to the John Lennon Museum when that was in Japan back in two thousand seven, and that was really cool. Hmm. But like, but even still, even though that was really cool, I still preferred like like Paul McCartney's solo stuff over his. And I'll even say like even George Harrison's solo stuff was better than John's. Really? Yeah. Huh. I'll give John uh watching the wheels, but other than that, well and obviously imagine, but that one's just kind of turned into And it's in karma too. Yeah. Mostly I'm a watching the wheels kind of guy. Okay, so um, this this is kind of like a really good lead into stuff we don't like. I, I feel like that we're if we're if we're in a mood for hating now, then <laughs> then I don't we can I, move on to what we're hating. <laughs> yeah, I don't know because we've been talking about albums as well, and and I really want to talk do the t- uh, the question that that we brought up the first album you like, and not the first album your parents bought you, the first album you ever purchased for yourself. Gosh, I don't even remember. I, I know do, the answer. I, to this. I know. I, I know what the answer is. It's um yeah and and i know derek and evan said that they had an answer for this as well uh uh, okay i'm I'm gonna definitely start with this what's it okay so it's what is the first album you ever bought for yourself not like your parents gave it to you not whatever my answer is toxicity from system of a down Uh, that was the first album i've ever bought i ever bought myself and uh and that was like so and that I think this was a precursor to Tubbering and everything. So like System of a Down, I lied to you earlier. System of a Down was probably my first introduction into metal because uh, I I was listening to System of a Down in in middle school, and uh that and that was like when I broke out of like other musical genres that I was like oh well check this out. So uh yeah so System of a Down toxicity led me into like. Uh, you know, Disturbed, which I don't really, listen, I don't listen to Disturbed anymore because the more they release albums, the worse they get, but they're still a good band. Uh, and then Ramstein, which led me into like this whole spiral of, oh my gosh, like listening to industrial metal. And then I found Tuppering and started listening to all the weird stuff. And then I listened to uh, metal that was more screamy. But yeah, Toxicity, System of Down, first album. A uh, quick side note: Apparently, there's this new trend online called bardcore or medieval music. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Look up the medieval cover of Toxicity. It sounds amazing. I, ha- I think I, I think I, I think have. Evan shared it with us. Didn't didn't Evan share it with us? No, I did like a different bard cover. Yeah, oh. you did a different bard cover. I forget what it was. Because I've heard the Toxicity one. Hmm. I don't know. But yeah, it's really good. <laughs> maybe maybe it was like linked to, to the thing that Evan sent us. I don't know. <laughs> Could have been because I can't even remember what the bar cover was. <coughs> I uh, 
So if we're going first albums here, yeah. I'm not sure if you want to count this. So I do have a backup answer. But the first CD I got was now that's what I call music volume four. Oh, I had like uh, yeah, I had like all the now up until like uh, six. That's amazing. Sixty-five. <laughs> um, but if we want to go like my first ever actual like album that a band put forth, it's yeah. actually Discovery by Daft Punk. Oh, nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. I feel awesome. like I feel like our generation that was a lot of people's, right? You know. Yeah, that was I was a tsunami kid. So the second I saw those music videos pop up and late 90s early 2000s and like oh i want that for yeah that was like that was the album that probably introduced a lot of people to both anime and to the world of electronica yeah 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 and then kanye west got a hand got his hands on it yeah we actually went to college with somebody who was like like we were listening to daft punk and it was like is that stronger by kanye yeah oh no no so what happened was is is uh is we were in a conversation about daft punk and and, there, and he was like, I don't know who Daft Punk is. And he's like, you don't know who Daft Punk is? You've never heard Harder, Better, Esther. He's like, do you mean do you mean Harder by Kanye? And and we just wanted Drunk. to, like, shoot him. <laughs> like, it's not a bad song. I love the Akira video that he did. Yeah. Um, I, I, I think mine was, and I don't even think this is true, because usually Andrew bought all the music, but I think mine might have been Cheer Up by Real Big Fish. I, are, <laughs> I, I don't know if I've ever bought an album. <laughs> I don't know if yeah. I've ever bought an album. I think Andrew just bought it all. Yeah, I've taken all the CDs. <laughs> just for, je, yeah, just for. John still for, uses LimeWire. Yeah, just just for the record, Napster. I discover all the music and pass it on to Jonathan, and then Jonathan. Legitimately, like, I'm stuck in the 90s. I like I, I, all my music is from the 90s or bands that were formed in the 90s, and and I, that's who I listen to. Unless, like for instance, my my degrees of separation where like I listen to the Aquabats and now I like the Cars and stuff like that. But um, yeah, no, it's it's uh, it's bad. I, I I don't discover music easily. I, I discover it for him. I've which, I've literally discovered all the music that Jonathan listens to, which is fine, but uh, w- w- and it's not necessarily true. I I feel like I discover older stuff. Like I heard Oingo Boingo before you did, you know, like that. So there's there's things like that. But but you definitely like if you started liking power metal, then I started liking power metal. You like Tubbering, I hated Tubbering, and then I liked them. Uh, you know, like it's. <laughs> Uh, it, it all it all comes down to. I'm to, pretty sure you still don't like Don of Ashes, though. Oh no, like, there. I that was like, like where you drew the line. You're like I you're listening like to Don, Don of Ashes. No, thank you. I don't like Don of Ashes. They are too dark for me. I well, I don't very, I don't really like Don of Ashes anymore either because he can't write music for to save his life anymore. <laughs> so. He's just a psychopath on stage. Yeah, <laughs> who's been given a microphone? He's like so full of himself. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I I don't know the answer to this question. And if if I had to think about it, I, I might have to say like it was something as recent as that Brave Saint Saturn album that's still in my car. <laughs> uh, or um, well, I think you uh, you donated to the Kickstarter for Five Iron Frenzy. That's true. That's true. Um, I'm pretty sure. You, I mean, I bought a lot of Aquabats albums, but I'm pretty sure you also bought Aquabats albums. My wife uh, bought me uh, an album for uh, what was the band? Oh, what's their name? Um, what the police soup 
I, I think it's soup that I, I listen to. Oh, Sponge? Sponge. There we go. That's that's who it is. Sponge. My gosh. Sponge is a type of soup. <laughs> I've, I haven't listened to the album for, for a while, um, but it's a really, really good album. Oh, yeah. Sponge uh, is awesome. So they're an amazing, but they have three members and they can and they can play, you know, like their, their full sets. So um, yeah, I, I really like them. They're just like a really classic punk rock band, but but they, they got some really good stuff. Kicking pigeons in the park. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're just fun. They're, they're just really fun. That's it for me. All right. I actually know this. I actually remember buying my first album. This is probably back in 1994. I was with my mom and we were in, who here remembers a store called Coconuts? Nope. No. <laughs> <laughs> so it was coconuts and so there were same company but same um but two different stores coconuts and sam goody so those, okay, those, yeah, they were all, all owned by the same people so i remember going into coconuts and going into the rap section because it was 1994 i was really into gangster rap everything but i couldn't buy stuff by dr dre snoop doggy dog because i'm nine years old and i don't know any better so i can't listen to stuff with big parental advisory stickers on it <laughs> so i remember going in there and i remember holding two cassettes of rap albums that i was going to try and choose which one i wanted one of them and i'm glad that i didn't go with this one was the Shaquille O'Neal rap album. Oh, <laughs> oh man, you should have that one. I, and after, thankfully I put that back and I picked up this one and that album was Code Red, which was the final album done by DJ Jazzy Jeff and the Fresh Prince. Mm-hmm. And I remember <laughs> listening to that album as a kid constantly, like Boom Shake the Room, Code Red, I Want to Rock, and Twinkle Twinkle, I'm Not a Star. It's... It, it's not a great rap album, but it's a rap album that's good for beginners who can't listen to albums with big giant parental advisory stickers on it. The the funny the funny part that I relate to on that story is I was also with my mom when buying Toxicity, and that is the only System of a Down album that does not have a parental advisory sticker on it. So that's how <laughs> yeah. I was able to get past the censors. Yeah. <laughs> I actually right. did. I actually did get a parental advisory album when I was too young. It was Kid Rock's first album. <laughs> so our dad bought us that one. Grit sandwiches for breakfast? Uh, was it? I don't know. Well, it was, it was grit sandwiches for breakfast. Some other album. Oh, Rebel um, without a cause. Rebel, Rebel with- without a cause is his fourth album. That's the one that I bought though. Okay, so when I was younger, in order to trick my parents, whenever so sometimes albums had this parental advisory printed on the yeah. cover sometimes they had the sticker the sticker mm-hmm. sometimes what i would do is i would <laughs> look mom there's no parental advisory sticker on this oh, one i could no. totally buy it <laughs> i uh so so our dad wasn't super opposed to buying us parental advisory stickers uh albums so like that's how jonathan got kid rock because he was like yeah okay kid rock's kind of country i tried to get him to get me the first um uh, Rob Zombie album, and 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 he oh, looked at Belly Deluxe. Yeah, and then and he looked at the cover, and he was just like, "No, this is garbage." <laughs> and then and then later when I uh, and then later when I was an adult, I I bought it for myself, and I was like, "Look, Dad, I bought I bought that. Remember when you wouldn't buy this for me? I bought it for myself because I'm an adult now." <laughs> <laughs> well, up until that point, all we could do is just listen to the soundtrack of uh, Twisted Metal. Twisted Metal. 
That's how I got into it was because because uh, Rob Zombie was in all the Twisted Metal games, so that's why I wanted it. I am. I kind of have a similar story to that. So like when I was younger, I kind of was like part of. I was kind of like part of this sort of. It wasn't like a official Big Brother program, but I had kind of like somebody that that I would see like every Saturday, and we would hang out and like give me some sort of a a lifestyle because with me being autistic, it was really hard for me to get out there and really express myself. And he had like in his car, he had all these gangster rap albums that he would never let me listen to. <laughs> and I would just still, I would just look at the covers and be like super cool and stuff. Well, like many years later, I think this was back in 2013 and it was a record store day. They did a re-release on cassette of NWA straight out of Compton mm. and I bought it. And we're Facebook friends, so like I posted, I posted was like, you can't stop me now, man. You can't stop me now. <laughs> all right, all right, Derek. What's the first album you you ever bought yourself? I already told you. Discover. Then Greg. Did oh yeah, that's right. I, oh, shoot, I for some reason I was I thought I thought we went like down the line as, as on my on my screen. Two embarrassingly enough was Human Clay by Creed. Go on. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. My it's dad had that song. album. An hour. <laughs> no, it's not. It's it's him just going hermit. I mean, like, I mean, we were. Uh, it was a young genre. Like the butt rock genre was young when when Creed the was doing rock thing, so. <laughs> That's what it's called. It's butt rock. Like Nickelback is butt rock. You know, uh, who uh, doesn't love it? a good Nickelback? Like uh, so, it Pearl sounds Jam like he's singing rock. out of his farts. Yes. Okay, I get it now. What, Pearl Jam, butt rock. Uh, Technically. Uh, Hootie and the Blowfish, would that be considered butt rock? Uh, they were still kind of country. Yeah, they were kind, kind of, of country. Stuff. I, lo- I love Hootie and the Blowfish. Oh, my gosh. Uh, well, Darius's solo stuff is better. Yeah, Darius Rucker does have some pretty good stuff. They play it on yeah. the pop country uh, stations, but it's not bad. Yeah. yeah. All right, Greg. Cool. Again, I, I'm not as musically in tuned as the rest of you. There's, there's no one thing that stands out. I'm just, literally just like a you, lover. You of, never bought an album for yourself? To be honest, no, because that wasn't like my passion as a kid. It was more video games. Like, don't get me wrong. I liked music. And actually, as much as I did like the Beatles, country is what really played around my house. Mm-hmm. I think uh, if it was an, uh, an album I bought, I think it was like a Trace Atkins album that I bought for the first time. Cause my dad was like a huge influence and that was like, you know, he had that really deep Southern voice and it was like a manly man or no, it was like Toby Keith, like the nine 11 track. That was the one I think. Everything was really bad. It was a terrible day in America. <laughs> I mean, it was, I mean, it was, but Trace yeah, but the- that's what all the country songs about nine 11 sounded like. Yeah. Trace Atkins is like that six foot 20, like Viking cowboy. Right. Yeah. Yeah, he's crazy. He's awesome. <laughs> he's <like> Triple H. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, that was what like my first album was, I believe. I, I, or it was like Three Men of Maine, which I think is an old country. That, that that's like, like an old country one. It's, it's, I'm just picturing like three guys with very long white beards sitting on a porch playing on a banjo up in Maine someplace. Uh, it was something like that. I think on the uh, cover, it was like they were in the forest and it was like a train coming down the tracks or something like that. I think it was sounding like the laid back camp soundtrack. 
I actually don't have experience with any laid back soundtrack. <laughs> no, 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 no. The anime Eurocamp laid back camp. Yeah, no experience with that. I don't know the correlation that you're talking about. Well, watch the anime. Listen to the soundtrack while you're watching it. You'll understand how New Englandy it sounds. All right, I got you. I just want to say that I looked up Three Men of Maine on. <laughs> oh, so I wasn't Google. even close. <laughs> and it, it, no, no, this is just a picture, but this is the first thing that pops up, and it's so close to what Evan just described that it's scary. <laughs> Three Amish men. Uh, that's so because, Jebediah. That's Ezekiel. And that's so because Steve. we have to. Uh, so because we have to wrap up really, really soon, like in fifteen minutes. Let's. We should do. We should do the worst of something. Okay. Oh, I was right. The middle guy. <laughs> so, so Jonathan, uh, in our list of, in our list of, stop showing us pictures of old men in Maine. <laughs> um, in our list of the worst of something, what's the best worst something that we can? Worst concert. Do? I got, I got an album for Christmas one year that was the Backstreet Boys Millennium album. That was a rough Christmas for me. I mean, I was given the Lou Bega album. Remember Lou Bega? <laughs> yeah. Mambo number five? Yeah. And then you listen to the song. And it's like, oh, every single one of these songs is exactly the same. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Not only that, but he calls himself the Mambo King on the album. And he doesn't even write Mambo because Mambo number five is just a sample of like another song called Mambo number five. Yeah, so, sorry, but you're not Tito Puente. So he, so he literally writes nothing and wrote the same song over and over and over again. And he's like, "I'm the Mambo King," and then made one album and then disappeared. Is he? <laughs> um, I like Evan's worst concert one because I have a great story about worst concert. That's for sure. I think. What is what is my worst concert? So I'll tell you mine and Andrew, and you'll probably concur. Um, we so we went to it, it, the bands themselves, not necessarily <laughs> are bad, but um, the concert itself was terrible. Um, so we went to uh, Lowell in Massachusetts, and we saw a stadium uh, concert of uh, the Mighty Mighty Boston's opened for Dropkick Murphys. Um, and it was easily the worst time I've ever had at a music concert ever. Um, the, like the atmosphere was bad. Um, the people, yeah, dudes. The, the people who were there pre-gamed like the day before it was like, <laughs> so like they were so drunk that, that like everybody there was so drunk that it was just, and then immediately when the, like there were no ska people there. It was or, a good people uh, watching event. Yo, it I was. Mean, amazing, I wouldn't call the Mighty Mighty Boston Mighty Mighty Boston Sky either. They kind of just Scott Core. <laughs> um, so I I got caught in a mosh pit while I was there, and I almost got my front two teeth knocked out. Well, me I and lost you, my cell phone. Yeah, me and you. The pit opened up on us, like all, like so, so, uh, like all of a sudden we were listening to the Boston's, and all of a sudden this giant pit just opened and me and Jonathan were standing in the middle of it and people just started hitting us. And it was like, Whoa, like we were, we were concert fledglings at that, at that point, we hadn't seen many and we were still pretty young. So we didn't understand how we were in, no, we were in high school. We were 18. I feel like we were young (laughs) still. Yeah, We we were 17. Um, We were 17 and we had been to like festivals beforehand. Um, but it, yeah, so it, it was, it was just not fun, but, uh, it, it was really fun. Like, so we, we left or we didn't leave, but we left the, the pit area and we went up to the stands because the stands was all just 
free seating and we just found these open seats and there was the best part about it was there was this guy in the front row um who was like jamming out or now he was in the front he was like in one of the back rows he was a couple rows in front of us just jamming out like yeah we we found dropkick yeah he's like he's like clapping his hands above his head like oh he's super 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 drunk wearing a scally cap he's just like oh man he's definitely irish but like not even close to the stage like he 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 was like a he was the most fair weather fan ever (laughs) so so i do have a story similar to that but not the same uh, probably the worst concert I ever went to. Again, the bands were not bad because it was our first Aquabats concert. Mm-hmm. It was it was the Aquabats, uh, the Aquabats oh. Suburban Legends, uh, Tooth and Enamel. Oh, and, Tooth and the Enamels! Oh yeah, my gosh! The, so so you guys have never heard of this band called Tooth and the Enamels, I promise you, <laughs> because they don't exist anymore. And they, I think, the only show they ever played was at the Aquabats the one opening fun. show. <laughs> They, they, it was this old meth head, like no joke. He had like, like missing all of his front teeth and the rest of them were rotted out wearing a completely white, like suit, you know, like those, those, like, uh, those skin tight suits. Yeah. yeah, Like the, the, the one man suit things. Zoot suits. No, like, like those green man, like the green man. Green man. Okay. All right. Like, but it was white because he was a tooth. And and they sang they were they sang punk rock songs about tooth care, which is ironic because he's a meth head and had and had no teeth. No, they had a very and, clear song about masturbation too. Yeah, it was <laughs> the song was called "I Want to Come All Over You." It was and um and it that was, was the and they opened for the Aquabats. Yeah. yeah, and it was it was hilarious, but it was hilariously bad. It was so embarrassing. And it was, um, it was so embarrassing. Yeah, and. Uh, and and so, but but even worse than these bands that opened for the Aquabats, besides Suburban Legends and Aquabats, was we were at a club called The Social. And in Florida, you can smoke inside of the clubs. So basically hey, this hey, entire- hey, weed every day. <laughs> yeah, but these were cigarettes though. So it was oh, just like, okay, so, so it was like this tiny venue, this- this tiny, tiny, tiny venue where people were smoking inside of it. And it was just this giant smoke cloud uh, inside this tiny, and the stage was like up here, like above your head. So you had to like look, like break your net looking up to, to see them. The stage was six feet above the ground. It was really yeah, high. And, um, and so eventually Jonathan and I just stood in, like we were up at, pressed up against the stage and eventually we just moved to the back and like watched the show from the back. And, yeah, that was awful. Um, it wasn't, it wasn't the social though, Andrew, uh, the social was a couple blocks down from where we were and we heard that it was a better venue. We were at the oh, Firestone. We were at the Firestone. That's right. Yeah. yeah. We were at the Firestone. I think that so club was a shut Smokeville down. Club, yeah. Smokeville club featuring Tooth and the Enamels <laughs> with, <laughs> with their famous song, I Want to Come All Over You. <laughs> it was so bad. Oh. If it, look them up on YouTube. I'm going to look them up right now to see if they're on there. And if, and if I can look at Fine Tooth and the Enamels, then you guys yeah, have send to, it to us. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Link in the description. <laughs> <laughs> um, for me, def- it was definitely seeing Meatloaf in concert. Oh, yeah. Only- yeah. So, so, you know, I, I love Meatloaf. Like, I remember listening to him as a kid and Bad Out of Hell is one of the greatest opening tracks to a song ever. 
to an album ever, great album all together. So we saw that he's playing at the Lynn Memorial Auditorium. So awesome. Buy myself tickets, got some good seats. We get there. He starts performing. He can't sing anymore. <laughs> like he can't, not only could he not sing, he couldn't follow his own damn teleprompter that showed the lyrics to all the songs. And he looked either drunk or high on stage. And we, and I sat there for about 40 minutes of this show before just going, I'm done. It's the only concert I've ever walked out on. It was that <laughs> terrible. Oh my gosh. It was meatloaf. Awesome. But now for a similar story to like maybe you guys to like the show itself, the band was awesome. And that show was the band Pet Shop Boys. Okay. So Pet Shop Boys, they're great. They kind of started that whole sort of like new wave sort of style that the bands like the Killers would hone and make their own. So my, my uncle and, and his boyfriend at the time invited me. He said, all right, cool. I'm not really into them. I know this all West End girls. So maybe this would be a good show. Hey, maybe I might meet some cute girls. It was all dudes at this show because it turns <laughs> out that Pet Shop Boys really only has a gay following in America. <laughs> so I'm like, okay, I might as well just start. I might as well just watch it, enjoy the show. And it's a good show. It's a little fun. But during the show, I start smelling, I start smelling something in the air. And it's like the worst smelling cologne I have ever had hit my nose. And it turns out that almost everybody in this venue is wearing this exact same cologne for half of the show i literally couldn't breathe without gagging because of just how bad the house of blue stunk due to this cologne that all these gay dudes were wearing on them and i'm like <laughs> i don't think this is a good scent to pick up other guys man you should probably look into like other things i don't know have you ever tried calvin klein before I'm <laughs> what what's going on i'm like but yeah that like i said pie shop boys are awesome live on stage just the audience just literally stunk <laughs> uh so my i guess worst concert which kind of stinks because 90 percent of it was awesome it's just when the headliner took the stage um i won't mention what show it is first you'll figure it out um Started with Dragon Force, went to Lacuna Coil. By the way, Dragon Force sounds kind of similar to um, Twilight Force, at least instrumentally wise. I was listening to that a little bit at one point. No. Um, <laughs> Avenged Sevenfold. Yeah. They played Pantera's Walk, so that was pretty good. Otherwise, the singer <laughs> kind of sucks in person. Then he got the <laughs> Um Then it went to Disturbed. That was freaking awesome. And we were in... Um, whatever the tweeter center is called now, Xfinity center, something like that. Xfinity center the, now. Yeah. Yeah. Where the, uh, we'll call it the outfield of the, um, of the crowd area is just all basically <laughs> yep. like grass seating. So everyone during disturbed just starts whipping everything they can find up in the air, including like <laughs> gallon jugs of water. At one point, one of the songs ended, the gallon jug was still in the air. Everyone was quiet and someone actually caught it in the crowd. Wild. <laughs> <laughs> But then they ran out of water, so they just started ripping up all the dirt and saw it. <laughs> oh, the singer had to come up on stage and be like, guys, the people in Yellow Jacket's going to start taking you away if you don't cut the shit. And also, who, who has that beach ball out there? Pop that beach ball and you can come up on the stage. <laughs> Even better from there, it went to, I don't think I'm missing anyone else besides System of a Down. 
They were the second to last one to go up. And System of a Down can put on a damn good show. It was right after um, um, Mesmerize and Hypnotize came out. Oh, wow. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. Um, And then came the main act of OzFest. Ozzy. (laughs) I stayed for three songs, and all of my friends just looked at each other. Uh, One of us had, like, dirt in their eyes because everyone was whipping dirt around. So, like, I can't even see anymore. Ozzy couldn't sing on key to save his friggin' life. He's just swaying around up there. Zach Wilde on guitar was great, but we, we stayed through Bark at the Moon, and then we're like, yeah, let's beat the traffic. We're leaving. Bye. <laughs> Actually, I have a very similar story. Same thing with me, but with OzFest 2003. Like, my cousin and I wound up bailing before Ozzy even hit the stage. So, like, we had saw <laughs> Chevelle, who were okay, Marilyn Manson, which... Golden Age of the Grotesque tour that he did for that was probably his best, best like thing he's ever done. Cause he does this, this whole burlesque show sort of thing and did some like, mm-hmm. oh my God, it was so cool. Then Disturbed came on, who were awesome, but for some reason I couldn't really enjoy myself because I was having a bit of a tummy ache during it. And then Corn came on and just the whole place exploded. Like when they hit the stage, like that, that they should have been honestly the headliners. And then we, we bolted. And as we're leaving to, to go to our car, we hear Ozzy in the background and we're like, we made the right decision. Uh, something similar happened to me and Jonathan when we went to go see uh, Aquabats versus Real Big Fish, where Real Big Fish was the headliner. And so, like, and and the so it opened with Cuckoo Kangaroo, yeah. Then went to the Suburban Legends, then the Aquabats, and then oh, Crash, uh, Real Big Fish. Like, you had these bands that just like built up. It like the energy just got, kept getting higher and higher and higher. And then Real Big Fish at the stage, and like the energy was just so low T that it just everybody left. Like, there, like half of the audience was there. By the time, and we didn't even stay for the end of Real Big Fish. Like the show, just you can't go from like people jumping around and like having a good time singing Pizza Party and then singing about like beer, my girlfriend hates me, and and all this stuff when it's just like you don't have the same energy as Aquabats. Like it's just, it was really sad to watch. I mean, we've seen Real Big Fish tons of times before, but yeah, like we, we ended up, we ended up leaving. Uh, before Real Big Fish was done because Aquabats were just like, the energy was so high and then we just, it just wasn't, so. Yeah. Greg. Yes. (sighs) To be honest, uh, I do not, like, (laughs) I don't remember the last concert I went to. I usually don't go to concerts. Well, we tried to get you to go to Sabaton. I I know, and I couldn't go. I believe I had work that day. No, you didn't want to go. All right, you might have caught me there. <laughs> no, the last concert that I went to, oh, what was it? I want to say it was a few years ago. Oh, this is killing me. I honestly don't Thanks remember. For the podcast, Greg. I you're you're right. That is the worst show. It must have been a really bad show. You don't even remember it happening. I don't remember. I just my memory is like so bad. You can ask any of my family members. It's like I don't remember any music. I don't remember any shows. I, like I'm surprised I remember my own name sometimes. 
by the way, I did find Tooth and the Enamels on. Oh YouTube. yeah, no, I I looked them up. I have them. I have them I in was, the queue. They have I was six subscribers. All I could find were just videos of how to brush your teeth. It, yeah, that's their their no. album. Their album cover is a tooth getting a blowjob while drinking and smoking at the same time. Just uh, and what? also just so and you the know, Aquabats were like, "We want these guys to open up for us." No, no, no. So it was. I think it was just part of their Florida tour because they're from Florida. Um, and which would explain the meth. Uh, and then, uh, but if you, if you look up tooth in the enamels, it has their 2008 tour, which is the tour that we saw. Uh, so I'm, I'm going to look at those videos and see if like back in the 2008. So, uh, cause that was the same tour that we watched was this tour that got filmed. 182 views. <laughs> yeah. It's uh, Whoa. it's not good. <laughs> it's not good. Yeah, the uh, the album is called Oral Completion, with completion okay. spelt a different way. Yes, okay. uh, yes, spelt C U M. Uh, and like, and with that, with with us greatest band of all time, with us rediscovering Tooth and the Enamels, which I'm probably gonna listen to and just be like, you know what, this is awesome. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I sincerely uh, hope not. <laughs> we, should, we should probably end the show there. On that note, sounds good. <laughs> if you if you want to listen to any of the bands that we've talked about today, don't listen to that one. <laughs> <laughs> um, but we have so many more topics for Wicked Audio that we could talk about. We can make a whole other episode about them, uh, or about about this, not about Tooth and the Enamels, but. <laughs> If you guys want to join in our, on our conversation, uh, you can email us at wickedanimereviews at gmail.com. That's wickedanimereviews, all one word, at gmail.com. You can also find us at facebook.com slash wickedanime, where you can message us or comment on, on this link to the podcast, uh, and as well as find us all the other news articles that we post, as well as all the other cool content that we might find funny on the internet. Other content that we might find funny on the internet, you can find on our Discord which the invite link to the Discord is sitting right there on the Facebook. It's always open. Feel free to join uh, whenever you want. And uh, come look at funny anime memes and join our conversation. And now, brand new, Anime Night. We just had our first successful Anime Night with the Wicked fans where we all gathered together and watched Promare. That was and awesome. we had a blast. Yeah, it was so it was fun. <laughs> it was so fun. We had a, we, it was a great time. So we're going to do more Anime Nights on the, and, and watch anime together on, on the Discord. Uh, if you want to follow me, uh, AFLM, you can find all my art at AFLM art on Facebook. You can also find me at AFLM underscore art on Instagram, but most importantly, you can read my comic for free at solariansun.com. And it is a perfect time to read Solarian Sun because the first three chapters are entirely free. That's chapter zero, one, and two, and the first three pages of chapter three that just got released today. Uh, so that is completely free. And, uh, but if you want more than what I offer for free, you can go to my Patreon, which is patreon.com slash AFLM, where you can get 60, over 60 pages more of content for only $5 a month. Uh, and that is my big thing right now. Solarian Sun, join my Patreon and read the comic. And hey, I mean, if we're all stuck in the house still because of, because of quarantine or whatever, uh, what do you have to lose? It's a free comic book. And I worked very hard on it and I love it. And it's a love letter to a lot of things. So give it a read. Evan, what do you got? 
All right, so for the recent news, reviews, podcast episodes, and videos featuring members of the Boston Bachelor Brigade, you can find us at www.b3crew.com. If you have any questions, comments, or if you're in a band and want to be featured on our No Borders, No Race podcast show, you can write to us at thebastards at bostonbastardbrigade.com. You can follow me on Twitter, on the J-Pop Video Games and Anime Amino pages, and on Twitch at KingBabyDuckESH and on b3crew.tumblr.com, and like us on Facebook at Boston Bass Brigade, on facebook.com slash Boston Bass Brigade, and please give a look at the new website from the ladies of Electric Sisterhood, Black Compat. And I hope you all are enjoying my current countdown right now that I'm doing on No Borders and Race, leading up to the 250th episode, the top 30 Japanese albums of the last 20 years. There's a lot of amazing gems in this out in this list, and I hope you're all going to seek them out soon after I have completed it. Derek. Ah, uh, well, you can find me on Instagram and Twitter at Elite for Derek. Uh, otherwise, you can find me rocking out to such classics as Closet Whore, I Hate Guys with Girl Hair, <laughs> Child Molester PhD, Fill Your Cavity. I hate girls that don't put out. Uh, oh, where was the good ones? Eat out your brains. And zombies on motorcycles have tooth decay because they don't brush their teeth. Brought to you by Tooth and the Enamels. <laughs> <laughs> Yay! <laughs> what? <laughs> they have, oh, they have six subscribers list. on YouTube. Yeah. <laughs> good for them. <laughs> they're about to have 11 <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's all their moms <laughs> no all of us pretty nuts <laughs> alright everybody that's enough of us uh, yeah. so, uh, they now have 7 <laughs> uh, thank you everybody for listening to this episode of the Wicked Anime Podcast I hope you have some, uh, some new uh, albums to go seek out or uh, anything that you want to try um, we will uh, talk to you next time, and we'll see you then. Now it's time to stop the only way to know how. K-Bye! I feel like we should return for, to animation next episode because all the news that has dropped the last couple of days. Yeah. Do something different. <laughs> or do something different. You know? no, that's what I mean. Do something different. Talk about animation. <laughs> I mean, maybe we should do Wicked Animation next time. Yeah. That's so different. <laughs> just animate. Yeah. Oh, I'm crashing again. Bye, guys. Oh, no. I love right. how he knows when he's just gonna crash. Yeah, because it starts. Hysterical. It starts pinwheeling, and then every all the everybody everybody freezes except for me. It's 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 like the equivalent of it's like a zoom equivalent of epileptic shock. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.